80s. We are back again with a March Madness special bracket for everybody. We've got counted down our uh, top favorite songs of the 80s in our season finale. But of course, we have to pick an album as well. And what better way to do that than to put them in a March Madness style bracket and determine once and for all which is the best album of the 80s. I'm joined as always by my co-host Aaron Keck. How are you, Aaron? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. You know, I'm excited to get back. We did our REM bracket last year, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, 2020 being what it was, the madness has not subsided in the least. (laughs) I'm going to be excited when we get to the REM albums that we've got in this bracket, because I've got one of my REM albums going out real early. So we'll we'll have a we'll have to have a discussion about that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got 64 albums in here, all of which, almost all of which were heard in an episode of the show, which if you're joining us for the first time, I'll call out which episodes they were in. So you can come back and hear our mm-hmm. uh, elongated thoughts on all these. Uh, but methodology, again, for this was, uh, can all, first of all, be found at actin.wordpress.com, actn.wordpress.com. Uh, you can also find links to it on our Twitter at Andy Hears It. Uh, and there, there are downloadable brackets you can print out to get your own going. You can also vote on your favorites for all of these on our Twitter page at Andy Hears It all throughout the competition. These episodes will be going up every Monday, Wednesday, Friday until we're finished with polls going up the same days. So go ahead and follow and get your votes in there. Tell your friends to vote as well. Uh, the albums chosen for this uh, during our season two, we at the end of each episode picked our favorites so that made that easy we could put those in here most of which i included on this bracket uh season one i went back and looked at what i thought some of the strongest ones were sorted them into two uh conferences early 80s covering 80 to 84 and late 80s covering 85 to 89 and then divided them up into what i dubbed the arena and club divisions based on their sales figures so that you're they're kind of uh, punching in their own weight uh, so to speak what defines club for you? Because I'm, I'm going to have some questions about which club you're going to that plays some of these albums. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, you know, theoretically, these artists would have played a club rather than an arena, but also plenty of them have played arenas as well. But really, it's just like the arena division is like the gold and platinum selling records, and then the club is gotcha. anything less than that. Because when I th- I see the word club and I think dance club, especially for the <laughs> 80s, like I think techno disco lights and lasers and disco balls. And then I go to that club and it's like, all right, boys and girls, hit the dance floor to the sweet, sweet sounds of Tom Waits singing Rain Dogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Certainly the different club experiences, depending on the artist. A little bit. Yeah. But, but yeah, so I think this I think this makes sense. You know, I originally had divided up kind of just by the timeline and there's some matchups I didn't feel like were fair and there's I tried a few different ways before settling on this and I think this feels good there's definitely some tough matchups but I feel like I like all of the competition here uh, they are seated uh, like I said by their or within each division they're seated by their album sales and chart performance uh, all of which I gathered from Wikipedia and then anything that didn't have any sales certifications or chart performance, I just seeded by the by my best judgment, which ended up being mm. the last four seeds of each of the club divisions, basically. That's fair. If there's no indication online how many albums this or how many how many copies this album sold, then I think you can safely say it didn't sell super well. Yeah. 
<laughs> certainly, yeah. certainly not yeah better than the ones that do have information on that so yeah I, I took those four each and this kind of made my best guess and i feel good about it that's fair uh let's see what else uh if you for anybody voting in the twitter bracket if any of those votes end up in a tie uh the tiebreaker just like last time will be whatever we chose in our bracket to be the winner and uh, i'm adding as well if there's a tie in the twitter polls between albums we have both already eliminated then the higher seed will will win so that's what i've determined i don't know if that'll come into play but just in case mm. there it is the higher seed will win because maybe higher the lower in, seed should win if it's a tie higher that's an that's an that's an upset oh yeah number or higher i should say higher being number like highest number one lowest 16 i guess that's right 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 to, but yeah, so that's if, that's what that's what I thought you man. I was like, if there's a if there's a one sixteen where it ends up being a Twitter tie, then I feel like you should give it to the sixteen. Maybe that yeah, maybe that's true. Well, let's see. Well, you know what? Hopefully, it doesn't come to that because then hopefully it won't come to that. It'll never come to that. Uh, yeah, at, at the very least, probably not between the one and sixteen. But yeah, because that'd be a first round tie also anyway. Which not between we, these one and sixteens. Well, yeah. I don't know. We've got a couple of good uh, good sixteen seeds here. Yeah. But regardless, we would have chosen a winner for that also, so that would be the tiebreaker. Also true, yeah. But without further ado, let's dig in. We will start now with the early 80s arena division. Again, you can follow along with the bracket, action.wordpress.com, twitter.com, slash Andy Hears It. Uh, first up, one seed versus the 16 seed, the one seed being Michael Jackson's Thriller, released November 30th, 1982. 33 times platinum in the U.S., 66 million copies worldwide sold versus Motorhead's Ace of Spades from November 8th, 1980. Gold in the U.K., U.K. album chart to number four. Uh, Michael Jackson, of course, we heard in our major releases, season one episode, and Motorhead in our season two metal episode. This is this is an interesting matchup to start with. What do you think? Uh, this is real. This is real interesting. And this is real tough because... I've I've said the same thing about both of these albums, which is there are really only like four good songs on each of them. However, those four are so damn good that mm -hmm. I love both of these albums so much. Yeah, for sure. I don't think either one of these is necessarily a complete start to finish home run, which but those hits that they do have are just completely like out of the park, you know. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, like while Ace of Spades is a great album, this is not difficult for me. Like it's it's thriller, right? It's thriller's got to move on from the first round. It's still thriller, yeah. And I'm yeah, also it's... a little higher on some of the songs on Thriller that you're not as keen on. So I think Yeah, that's also th true. There's really only two that I don't think I like at all on Thriller. The rest I'm actually pretty pretty fond of, but so I'm looking at the I'm looking at the thriller uh, song list here. So I assume you don't like the girl is mine. No, I do not. Because <laughs> that song sucks. But what else don't you like? Is it the lady uh, in my life? Is that the, the lady other one? in my life? Yeah, the final song. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, those are the two. I don't like I don't like Pretty Young Thing either. I think uh, it's still a good dance song though. That's still fun yeah. to listen to. That's fine, but Billy Jean is better and Beat It is better. Like if you're gonna play Pyt, you might as well just play those songs again. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's three tiers of songs on, on Thriller. There's the Billie Jean Thriller. Those ones are the top. Then there's the second tier of PYT and uh, what's the second song called? That's not a Baby good song. Baby Be Mine. Actually. Yeah, Baby Be Mine. I think that's another yeah. good one too, but it's, it's not Billie Jean. And then there's the bad ones, which are uh, 
the final song in the Paul McCartney one. Right. And then anyway, Ace, thriller. Yeah, exactly. And Ace of Spades <laughs> is really good, but it's not thriller. Ace of Spades is great. Ace of Spades, but Ace of Spades is one great song that kicks off the album, and mm-hmm. then two more very good songs that kind of do the same thing that Ace of Spades does, and then it just kind of recycles from there. Like it's it's a good album, but yeah. it's not thriller. Exactly. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. And that's why it only went gold and not yeah. thirty-three times platinum. It's it's okay not to be thriller. Some of my best friends are not thriller. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, moving on to the next matchup, we have our eight seed and our nine seed. We have at eight Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast, released March twenty second, nineteen eighty two. Platinum in the U.S., platinum in the U.K., gold in multiple other countries. Up against Number Nine, Luther Vandross's Forever for Always for Love, September twenty first, nineteen eighty two. Platinum in the U.S., platinum in the U.K. Uh, Luther Vandross, of course, had his own season two episode. Iron Maiden was again in the metal episode from season two, which uh, this is another interesting matchup of British metal versus American soul. Well, I mean, if you're if you want a nice like date night uh, double feature, you you can you can't do worse than Iron Maiden followed by Luther Vandross, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Exactly. They, they go hand in hand. This one also was not too difficult for me. I think the the eight nine matchups are are going to be just inherently a little bit tougher than the one sixteens. But and and I'm not. We talked about this when we did the Luther Vandross episode. Like I'm not a super big fan of Luther Vandross. However, this particular album is really really good, and for me, it's it's pretty easy that it's Luther over Iron Maiden. But what do you think? I think I like this Iron Maiden album a little more than this Luther album, but also I liked, this was my second favorite Luther Vandross album as opposed to my first. Like I liked True. Uh, Never Too Much more than this one. But at the same time, this one I do think, Never Too Much was still very much steeped in that 70s sound, whereas I think he started to grow with the second album and make something that sounded a little more contemporary. Whereas, uh, and so, but at the same time, that number of the beast is really fun. So I think if yeah. you're leaning Luther Vandross, I I will go with that because I feel similarly, I guess, about both of these. Okay, that's fair. That's good because you and I are about to disagree in a in a little bit in a much more significant way. I feel and uh, and you can you can save that you can save that token for that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's part of my like excitement about this bracket is just there are some unknowns in, in that i'm not sure which way you're going to go on a few of these so i'm excited yeah. to find out all right i so, wasn't sure either for a couple of these i had to go back and, and listen a couple times in order to figure it out yeah I, I went and listened between you know doing our best of song episode and this i've listened to all 64 of these again uh which i'm glad oh, I, did. I didn't go that far but <laughs> well I think there. I mean, they all are all. There are sixty-four good albums on here. I feel like so I yeah. did enjoy it, but yeah, I think. Uh, and I enjoyed listening to "Forever for Always for Love" again because I think that is start to finish a really, really good album. Mm-hmm. So Luther Vandross. But it really comes down to preference with that one because I mean, there's they're they're both good albums. They're well done. They're great artists at the top of their game, and then it's just a question of do you like metal or do you like soul? Yeah. Yeah, and which I, do you prefer? 
And I think I prefer Soul just a little bit. Now, Me if, too, yeah. It would have been funny, though, considering if we did advance Iron Maiden, it would go up against Thriller when Iron Maiden does have that Vincent Price knockoff. Oh, uh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> the number of the Beast that would have gone up against actual Vincent Price. In actual Thriller. Vincent Price, yeah. Oh, missed opportunity. Maybe Everyone listening out there at the Twitter poll, you can make that happen. <laughs> Could. All right, but up next with our five seed and our 12 seed, we have... At five, Tina Turner's Private Dancer, which came out in May 29th, 1984. Five times platinum in the U.S., over 10 million worldwide sold. Up against number 12, R.E.M.'s Murmur, the debut album released April 12th, 1983. Gold in the U.S., gold in the U.K., reached U.S. album number 36 on the charts. So is this an early dismissal for you i'm just gonna guess this is the one yeah i kind of assume that you're gonna have murmur going like all the way to the elite eight at least <laughs> but uh yeah private dancer over murmur and i i went back and i listened just in case i i was remembering wrong but no i'm not a huge fan of murmur as an album every time i listen to it i'm like yeah and i i love rem like you and i both love rem we did a whole bracket of rem songs but every time i hear murmur i think man this is a band that's going to be really good later, but isn't yet. Uh, Radio Free Europe is a fine song. There's a couple other songs on this album that are good, but I, I listened to Merv and I was like, yeah, this is fine. Give me the later stuff. Whereas Private Dancer is just Tina Turner at the absolute top of her game from start to finish to the point where some of the best songs on that album are also some of the least well-known. Like, there's several great single huge hits off of the album, and then the deep cuts are also fantastically good. And I, I went back and listened to it a second time, and it's it's actually not even close for me. Yes, I do feel strongly about Murmur compared to what you think. <laughs> you can have Murmur. I figured I figured we'd be disagreeing on this one. I think for me, Murmur is not just a great debut, but I think it is still one of my favorite REM albums. And that there is another one of my favorite REM albums on this bracket, so I don't expect the championship matchup to be those two albums necessarily. But uh, I think that Murmur start to finish is still just a really good album that I listen to far more often than I listen to Private Dancer, even though I love a lot of songs on Private yeah. Dancer. The other R.E.M. album that's on our bracket, I will say, spoiler alert, I do have going farther than the first round. But Okay. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. We'll have some agreement there probably. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I all think, right, we can we can we can go we can go REM on this one. I just I just wanted to defend Private Dancer because it's a it's a great album. Okay, yeah, I I agree that it's great, but I think I I think Murmur is more consistent for me. So REM advancing over Tina Turner, we go up to our next matchup, which has the number four seed U2's War, come out February twenty eighth, nineteen eighty three. Four times platinum in the U.S., 11 million worldwide, up against Ricky Lee Jones' Pirates at the 13 seed. Ricky Lee Jones released this July 15th, 1981, went gold in the U.S., silver in the U.K. Uh, Ricky Lee Jones was in our listener suggestions episode from season one. And War from U2, we didn't talk about specifically on the show, but we heard Joshua Tree in our major releases episode season one. And I went and listened to a bunch of other U2 albums after that. And I think this one surprised me with how consistent, uh, consistently great it is, I think. Yeah. 
And I remember the the Ricky Lee Jones album in in that particular episode of listener suggestions. Many of those albums that we covered in that episode, I listened to and I thought they were fine, but I don't need to listen to them again. Ricky Lee Jones surprised me with how good it was uh, consistently from start to finish. Having said that, this one also isn't close for me. It's it's you too. Yeah, I like Pirates a lot, but yeah, war is a force of nature. I think it's it's war. Really good. War beats pirates ever any day, right? <laughs> yeah, out of context, the battle of war versus pirates is a really exciting <laughs> one. But, but yes, I think war conquers pirates. Yeah, setting up a very exciting uh, second round matchup. But, so that's uh, Ricky Lee Jones defeated by War. We move on now to. The 6 and 11 seed, we've got Huey Lewis in the News Sports, released September 15th, 1983, seven times platinum in the U.S., eight and a half million worldwide, up against Violent Femmes' self-titled debut album from April 13th, 1983, platinum in the U.S., and U.S. albums number 171 on the charts. Uh, Violent Femmes, we heard in our very first episode, it was one of my original seven from the 80s, and Huey Lewis in the News Sports, we heard in our pop music episode from season one. Uh, which way are which way are you leaning on this one? Violent Femmes. Uh, that was that's still one of my of all of the the albums that we've listened to throughout this entire podcast. That's still one of the the ones that stands out as one of my favorites. Huey Lewis is great. That album is great. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fantastic singles on it. A lot of just great great music in general. But uh, but for me, it's Violent Femmes. I think so too. I think it's also impressive that. Like over the duration of that album, they do a lot with how simple their arrangements are. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's a sound that could very easily get old after a while, and yet they find new ways to do it on every song. I think it's really good. It's funny, kind of the minimalist of the Violent Fams up against the like absolute pop maximalist <laughs> of Huey Lewis. Right, right. So yeah, in agreement, Violent Fams advancing over Huey Lewis. Uh, now we go on to our next one, the three seed, Prince's Purple Rain, June 25th, 1984, 13 times platinum in the U.S., 25 million sold worldwide, up against Run DMC's self-titled debut, uh, March 27th, 1984, Gold in the U.S., U.S. album chart number 53. I think this is, uh, I mean, obviously it's pretty easily Purple Rain for me. What do you think? I, I almost want to argue for Run DMC just to make your head explode, but no, it's performing. <laughs> it would make my head explode. I, I do think not that... my not my favorite Prince album by by a stretch, but uh, mm -hmm. it's it's still it's still got to be Purple Rain. Yeah, and the and Run DMC's debut is good. Uh, it's you know, very good. Yeah, it just is a victim of uh, one of the best in this division, I think. But uh, yeah, shout out to Run DMC, very good debut, but it's not Purple Rain, obviously. I'm sure Run DMC will be fine. <laughs> They'll get over it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Up next, Seven Seed, The Clash, Combat Rock, released May 14th, 1982, two times platinum in the U.S., gold in the U.K., and Talking Heads, Speaking in Tongues at the Ten Seed, June 1st, 1983, platinum in the U.S., reaching number 15 on the album charts. Uh, Combat Rock, another one of the original seven from the beginning episode of season one and speaking in tongues talking heads we didn't talk about explicitly although i mentioned a song from it in our best of 
Uh, this one I heard after we did Remain in Light for the New Wave episode and and found that this one for me was the stronger album. I, I do not have Remain in Light on this bracket, but I have Speaking Tongues on here. Uh, what did you think about it? I agree. I think Speaking in Tongues is the is the better album as far as Talking Heads goes. That one uh, versus Remain in Light. Uh, mm-hmm. Having said that, uh, the Clash is is this album's classic. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to beat. It's really good. This is a tough matchup for me. This, this is might, a very tough one. This one is is one that like it it almost does feel like it should be a later round, considering the strength of these two. I like speaking in tongues a lot. I love combat rock. Obviously, I've had combat rock for forever. I think that, I mean, if if you're leaning combat rock, then I guess I would go that way as well, though. I can't say enough good things about speaking in tongues. I don't think there's a bad yeah. song on there. I think there's not there's not a wrong there's there's not a wrong choice with with either of these except to say that one of them has to be discarded. But let let me ask you this. Do you uh-huh. think either of them makes it past what I presume you're going to say is the winner of the next matchup? No. <laughs> okay, then <laughs> we'll go with uh, Combat Rock. <laughs> All right. Shadows of Talking Heads. I think they'll also. I think they'll also do good things. They'll also after be this. fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're good guys. They're, they'll be okay. Yeah. Uh. And also, before we leave him out, I finished reading the uh, Chris France uh, biography that came out last year, Remain in Love, which was mm. very entertaining. I recommend that to anybody interested in Talking Heads and uh, Tom Tom Club, which we don't have that album on here, but that's also a fun one. Uh, so, Speaking of you, which, have you, have you seen American Utopia? Yes, I did. That was a really good film. I'm... I, I, I'm not a huge Talking Heads fan, to be honest. Like, I'm... Mm-hmm. I like the I like the music. I don't consider them to be one of my favorite bands, but damn if they don't make really good concert films. Like between uh yeah. between Stop Making Sense and then David Byrne with American Utopia. Like those are just back to back two great movies. Yeah, American Utopia was really cool, I thought. I, I do like all the arrangements that they made for all those songs, having like mm-hmm. the almost like marching band style uh Right. Yeah, the drums on and, that one is is really impressive. And the drums, really, the choreography, the fact that they're yeah. able to like do the choreography with the instrumentation. Mm-hmm. V- visually very cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well directed. Uh, I think I like Remain in, or not Remain in, uh, Stop Making Stop Sense making slightly sense. more. But uh, just because that's that's the band, you know, it's the whole band. Right. They have all the additional musicians they brought in over the years. Everybody's having a great time. I think, and it's a classic, like full of classic talking heads, whereas I think. American Utopia obviously has some burn solo stuff that's come out since then. But at the same time, both it's cool that they are both there to show two different types of show, you know. Yeah. Also, American Utopia does does get dinged a little bit because I didn't think David Byrne's monologues were uh, all that deep, but <laughs> yeah. you know, to each yeah. his own. So, the, yeah, some of it was like, oh, I guess we are on Broadway. I need to make it a bit of a show or something. Right. Like it, it, which it, they, which they totally did, but... Uh. Yeah, it would have been just as good a show without the little uh, monologues in between. Without the interludes? I yeah. think so. All that to say, Combat Rock advances over <laughs> speaking in tongues. Correct. All right, which brings us to our final matchup of the early 80s arena division. The number two seed, Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA... 
June 4th, 1984. 15 times platinum in the U.S., 30 million worldwide. Up against Echo and the Bunnymen's Ocean Rain, May 4th, 1984. Gold in the U.K., U.S. album chart number 87. So, uh, yeah, this is probably Ocean Rain, right? Oh, yeah, no, totally, yeah, <laughs> of course. Echo and the Bunnymen is fine. Uh, you know, they've got they've got good stuff. They're they're good people. Uh, yeah, Born in the USA is is one of the first albums that I was aware of as a child. I listened to it over and over and over again, and it holds up thirty years later. So, I think Ocean Rain is very good, and I liked listening to it even again just now, because uh, it, it has a lot of great songs above and beyond just the Killing Moon, which is obviously one of the best songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think Born in the USA probably edges it out by a little bit, <laughs> by just a hair, just a hair. The nice thing about Born in the USA is you've got the great singles, but honestly, like my favorite songs on Born in the USA are not the singles. You, like the the deep cuts on the album are just as good, and in some cases, better than the than the singles are. Yeah, I think in in almost all cases the the deep cuts or the album tracks are better than the singles for me yeah which uh will i'm will probably come up again later i think uh, in a different matchup but so i yeah because i'm sure that you're higher on born in the usa than i am but i will i will not deny that it is a great album <laughs> yeah we'll talk when we get to the sweet 16 exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm eyeing back saying oh uh-oh. <laughs> all right but that's the great for a later 1984 episode. showdown that's about to transpire <laughs> i know that wraps up the early 80s arena division. Like I said, you can go to twitter.com slash it and make your picks for which albums are the best. And we will be compiling those all throughout the competition. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode in a couple days, which will be the early 80s club edition, which we will go through those albums one by one, decide our matchups, and you can do the same. Thank you all for listening. Follow on whatever podcast service you use. Tell all your friends to listen. Tell them to vote. And until next time, uh, it's never too late to discover great music that's new to you. See you in a little bit.